Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I am RJ Bela. We didn't do horror names again, dude. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're dealing with mother issues and dealing with our steady girlfriend who might be spying on us as we watch Spine 137 in the Criterion Collection, Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious from 1946. But first, RJ... How's that? Uh, how's that beverage over there doing? Uh, it's pretty good. I call this the Tall Boy. Yeah, it's pretty clinky. It's pretty clanky. Can you see how creamy it is? Uh, a little bit. Is that a Maple Leafs thing, or is that a beer logo? It's a, it is a Maple Leafs logo. Mm-hmm. I got this. Sports? I got it in a case of beer. Yeah, that's usually where all this sports memorabilia comes from. Be it T-shirts, jerseys, hats, what have you. T-shirts, hoodies, you know, whatever. Uh, I have sports. I follow sports. Hey, did you see the Red Sox eliminated the Yankees? It's a big win for us, pal. I did not know that. It's a big win. Hey, you know what I should have signed on as? Uh, I should have signed on as Woody Harrelson's uh, toupee. That'll make sense later in the show, but uh, I'm pretty disappointed that you don't have your your horror moniker set. You Um, used to care about this show. (laughs) I don't know, man. My my name doesn't lend itself to like anything particularly spooky. Jarrett the Merkin Duncan. Yeah, that's <laughs> po- that's a possibility. You've been called worse things. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? What's mm-hmm. new with you? How was your Thanksgiving, pal? Canadian Thanksgiving. Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, uh all of the uh, wonders of Thanksgiving without the guilt of uh, Columbus. Short and sweet. Um. Mm. All all three parties going to this dinner botched something. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, there was. What did a, you mess up? Uh, lemon meringue pie. That that, <laughs> that 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 just turned to lemon soup. Uh, all bad. You all bad. L- luckily, uh, there was some yam pie that got made, and that that held up. That was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister, she uh, she decided to make some like brownies using um, Splenda, <laughs> like a. Mm. Like a goofball. <laughs> so you really find out quick the the key of what sugar brings to the table when it comes to baking. What and, does sugar bring to the table? Uh, it kind of like, I don't know, caramelizes, right? Like it heats up and it gets all gooey. Um, mm-hmm. It works well with butter. But when you don't have that and you're just simulating sugar, it just turns to like a an even bitter, saltier flavor to your unsugared brownies. So, yeah, mm. so that was, it's just like chocolate bread. Which is mm, nothing special, uh, and then and then my dad, he this is the this is he doesn't fuck up usually, but boy oh boy, he he admitted like right away he's like yeah I got lazy and uh, used the food processor to grind up the stuffing, and it just went all bad, 
all bad. Because <laughs> it was like, he has a particular way of making really good stuffing, and but usually he does it by hand. And for some reason this year, he's like, I'm going to save myself some time and do it this way. And he was like, nope, <laughs> never again. <laughs> so that's okay. There's too much food usually at these things. So <laughs> did, did okay, did okay. Were you dunking some ham and some mustard or what? No, it was, it was a turkey. You'll be, you'd be proud. You, you can't, mm. you can't complain or wait. Make, you didn't double down with a turkey and a ham. You, you can't meat shame. No, I did not uh, double meats. Mm. Well, see, now you're really a loser. That's not true. I you, guess there you was gotta uh, do both? there was there was a uh, uh, Brussels sprouts and bacon all uh, fried up. Ooh, yeah, that no, was... I mean two two mains. Yeah, two main meat dishes. No. Uh, well, that's why they call you the chump. Mm-hmm. Jarrett the dunk, chump, dunk, Duncan. Dunk the chump. Dunk the chump. Chumpkin. Yeah. That's not a word. Uh, well, that's okay, I guess, but uh, we've talked about this before. You're not a huge fan of the Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, that's uh, why you are really a bad person. It's not that I'm a, not a fan. It's that I feel that it's overrated. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say the same thing about you. That's fine. Ew. Ah. Got him. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> I don't even know. What are we anymore. even talking about? I, was your turkey shit turkeyish? No, I always love Thanksgiving dinner. I've said many times on this show, it's my favorite time of the year. It's my favorite meal. Uh, not only is it my favorite meal, turkeys, potatoes, stuffing, all that gravy, all that pie, ooh, baby, but uh, it's in my favorite month of the year. So um, I always come out on top of that. Even if, you know, even if there's certain elements of the meal that aren't up to snuff, uh, you got to take it as a whole, not on its individual elements. So, yeah, feeling good. We uh, had a dinner. That was good. Uh, saw a friend of the show in the flesh. Huh. You're wondering who? No, Josh Frazier didn't come from New York. No, new friend Frank didn't come from the place he said he lives. And no, it wasn't Oliver from Down Under. I know he's not Australian, but I think that's a funny joke anyways. He might laugh at that. Uh, Ryan Nagel stopped by with his family. I loaded him up with some certified creep picks, some of those criterions, uh, some duplicates I had, some things that I've upgraded. So, yeah, real life. So if you want to meet us in real life, you can come visit us in Creepsville. I'll uh, I'll hang out. You'll, you'll, meet, you'll meet them at your front door and then... <laughs> Close the door. I don't know if I'd meet him at my house, but I would yeah. meet them like at a safe location. Maybe, maybe at the uh, police department. They have like that place where you can like mm. uh, trade stuff that you've uh, exchanged with on like, Kijiji and such. Oh, uh, the safe exchange spot? Yeah. Yeah, I could meet there. I don't know. It would depend on uh, how far they came mm-hmm. and uh, how attractive they are. Yeah. I mean, if it's a smoking hot dude, I, I probably won't feel like. Uh, insecure or unsafe right. or anything like that so yep <sighs> what else is what else is going on here hey we we got an email nice we, we have, what, is uh, it another new friend of the show nope we have, we've ran out of those i guess so we've okay. got oh, uh, frank solano he's returned uh, once uh, again to the where's he from uh athens georgia oh, okay oh, not from... athens greece though not Athens, Greece. This so, is an internationally well, recognized I mean, I mean, podcast. I mean, I, you, do you know that? The U.S. of A. is uh, international to us, though we do yes, share the is. same continent. Uh, so what does Frank have to say this week? What's up, mm. dudes? 
Uh, it's Frank, the newbie here again. And I was listening to a previous episode when I found that you hadn't received any feedback or backlash on that one. So I've taken the duty of making sure that this is no longer or this no longer happens. Uh-oh. Every week I'll email in with some of my random thoughts and you can talk about it or ignore me, whatever you feel like, bros. So I guess you can say I've hired myself as a full-time employee of the podcast without permission. Nice. Hope you guys don't mind. Uh, how do you feel about that, RJ? Uh, I'm on board. Uh, as uh, as you see, we're flooding with feedback and listener, um, you know, input. So uh, you know, one one person won't hurt. But actually, no, it's good. That's why we put the email out there, man. Yeah, we're so desperate for um, contact from other people. That's why we do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, criterioncreeps at gmail.com, folks. There you go. Anyways, Frank continues. Today, I got a YouTube notification from a channel I watch. It's called Crow's Eye Production, if you want to check it out. And they have a series called Tell Them of Us, based on a period war drama short story, I believe. It's pretty good, I think. Anyways, I did as any decent human being should do, and I shitted on their show in the comments section. And I said their cinematography kind of sucked. So you may wonder, what did they reply? And well, let me tell you, they liked my comment. They gave me a heart emoji, and now I'm scared that there's a job opening on that production, and that some cinematographer has mysteriously disappeared. Any thoughts on how I should feel about this? Am I an awful person or is it okay to be mildly amused by all this i can't wait for the next episode dudes and i hope you guys had a good week especially you Jarrett, since you're juggling your move in with creeptober i have a little mm. story to share about my own move in adventure for my next feedback comment if you guys are interested thanks again bros yeah sure let us know your moving adventure I'm, I'm okay with that um uh, i'll speak for Jarrett. you should definitely tell Jarrett all of the uh, horrors of moving uh, while he's getting ready for this in uh, another week or two, mm-hmm. especially since it's around uh, the most in- inconvenient time possible. So, everyone, why don't you just rain shit on Jarrett for a while and tell him about how his life is gonna suck? Yeah. Bring the bring on the shit storm. Yeah, I'm 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 all for this. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And uh, any any thoughts about commenting on things on YouTube? Uh, uh, as long as it's not hate directed at me, I am in full support of it. <laughs> um. If any of our fans wanted to, uh, you know, flood our YouTubes with uh, positive vibes about, uh, oh, yeah, that RJ, he's a real great guy. Oh, oh yeah, he doesn't sound dense. He's not a chud at all. Oh, I don't know what these people are talking about. Um, do it in that voice, too, so that they understand the seriousness of it. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, to quote The Matrix, ignorance is bliss. So if that guy did get fired, as long as he doesn't come for you, you'll be okay. Yeah. Like Death Wish style. Yeah. I remember, like... Yeah. It was some couple of years ago. We had some guy that was that like, asked, he, his like short film got posted, and oh. uh, you watched it, and then I watched it, and <laughs> he was very curious about some feedback, and I gave him some, and then I don't know if he made anything after that, but that's that's not on me, and that those things naturally happen. Mm-hmm. Being a, a short filmmaker, it's tough. It's tough business because um, you don't have any resources, and it takes a lot of kind of time and talent to do it well why don't you tell us what you really think uh i have oh yeah oh okay good good so yeah hey folks keep that feedback rolling in Mm Mm-hmm. yeah get your voice heard on an internationally recognized global phenom that is the criterion Mm -hmm. creeps podcast it has to be the fastest growing criterion themed podcast around. Well, it's uh, made waves in uh, Ogdenville, North Havenbrook, uh, Springfield, yeah. all, all the, all the hot spots. It's, it's booming, Jared. It's a booming business. This mm-hmm. po- podcasting. You got that right, baby. Yeah. 
Hey, RJ. It's, it's always good to hear. What? What do you want? I was talking. Uh, Jesus. D- done. What you been creeping on? Oh, baby. Too much to cover in one episode. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. So uh, we'll uh, tease with that a little bit. I'm just going to hit you with a few mild creeps. Okay, Jer? A few mild ones. A few Creeptober ones. And uh, one that uh, the fans demanded. Uh, so I went on, uh, as you would say, uh, on duty, on task, on assignment for the Criterion a road podcast. Report. A road report. Uh, so I went to an opening night movie at the theater. Uh, I used my scene points, which I thought was kind of crazy that I could use it for uh, like the opening night. But uh, that might show you the cinema's faith in said movie. Uh, so I went to Venom, the Spider-Man spinoff starring Tom Hardy. This is the one that everyone was talking about. Everyone was talking about how it was going to be dark and gritty. It was comic accurate, baby. This thing was going to blow your dick off with how cool it is. Um, This thing, I remember we talked about the trailer on here before, and I was like, I think he looks like... People were talking about like what Venom looked like, and I was like, I think he actually looks pretty cool. Uh, and I still stand by that. I do think he looks all right, like the big... Big, beefy Venom. I I think he looks okay. Um, So I remember we talked about it once. uh, And then last week when we recorded the reviews, the embargo was lifted. And people were just taking a big, hefty shit on this thing. So uh, as always, we're like, we better get uh, our hot take put out there. Uh, So I went to Venom. I went to a Friday night showing. Uh, Surprisingly, the crowd was pretty good. It wasn't a hereditary thing. Uh, there was a lot of chuds there, a lot of like out of breath guys. There was one guy I felt pretty bad for. I like, think he it was, was short of breath. No, he was like out of breath. <laughs> he was, oh, he was on the floor. He he barely like he came in with his popcorn, and uh, I was in the very back row, and I could hear him breathing from there, like. <gasps> and I was like, "Ooh, buddy, put down that popcorn." He's a little bit of that asthma, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I felt I did feel bad for him though. So there was a lot of guys like that who, uh, you know, the, certain things weren't weren't in their favor. Uh, but it was pretty good. Nobody was like real shitty. Uh, but you know what was shitty? This movie. Oh, I oh, got him! Bazing! Right in the uh, breadbasket. This, this is one of the uh, more poorly constructed movies I've seen in a very long time. So you remember when I was talking about Mile Twenty Two? that Peter Berg gem with Mark Wahlberg and how that was like the the shittiest movie I've seen all year. This is on par with that, but for different reasons. So Hmm. mile 22 was really shitty just because it was like, is like this movie is fucking dumb. Uh, They're doing like all these things wrong. This is just a bad idea, a bad movie all, all around. Venom is bad because it's not a real movie. And it's very evident, like, while you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is just, like, this is a commercial, a two-hour-long commercial that we all paid, like, $14 to watch. Um, It is very corporately produced, I guess I should say. There was a lot of of things at play here to promote the brand, I think. Oh, man. Um, Uh, So when you say corporate, I I guess like in my mind, I'm like, so what's like the Adbusters uh, Venom movie going to look like? That one? Yeah. Or is is Adbusters too old of a reference now? I was going to say, I don't even know what you're talking about, old man. Old man Duncan. You got to go bust out your uh, copy of uh, No Logos and uh, Mm. sell yourself down in the sociology uh, section at uh, Chapters. 
get caught nobody up. Knows, get, nobody got, knows what you're talking about. Yeah, some do. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Um, this movie feels like it was made in like three days. Like everyone just showed up and was like, "We can wing this, right? Right?" And then they're like, "Yeah, we'll fix it in post. No problem. Let's <laughs> let's just like throw everything together. We'll just kind of act it out." Uh, it is like generic. It's cliched. It's got all the tropes. It's super bland. But it's got everything that you like. If I asked you to write uh, what you think a bad Venom movie would be in five minutes, I think you would hammer on all of these points. Um, it's like really easy out writing plot stuff that like it's super inconsistent and contradictory. So like Venom fuses with Eddie Brock and he's like, we have no secrets now, Eddie. I'm in your head. We are one. And it's like, okay. And then in like the very next scene, a character will come and Venom will be like, hey, who's that? What's going on? Who are these guys? Why, why do you care about them? And he'll get or he'll get like a phone call from his ex-girlfriend and he'll be like, who's this bitch? And you're like, wait a minute. It's like, <laughs> is that a is that a direct quote? Uh, who's this bitch? Pretty much. Uh, the big zinger, Jarrett. Can I spoil the big joke in this movie for you? Yes. Uh, and people did laugh, but it wasn't, it didn't seem like a genuine, like, like genuine laugh. It was like, huh, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, Venom and Eddie Brock are at the top of a building and, uh, Eddie's like, all right, we got to leave now. And Venom's like, just jump out the window. He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm a huge monster. Like we'll, we'll be fine. And then, uh, in the next scene you see Eddie, it like hits the button for the elevator. And then in the Venom voice, it just goes pussy. And that uh, the whole crowd just erupts with laughter. What? Yeah. But like there's so it's like that that those are the kinds of jokes that are in this movie. It's like really not even like juvenile or immature stuff. It's just lazy. It's like, I don't know why you thought this would be a, a good decision, but it's the same thing with all these plot points that it's only it's only like applicable when it's convenient for them. So it's like, I know everything you're doing. And then it's like in the next scene, it's like, wait a minute, who is that? And it's like to set up something where it's like, oh, you don't know this one. Hey, but it goes back and forth. So there's a lot of shit like that that just goes back and forth. You're like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, the music is real fucking awful in this. It's just like, I don't know. It's like they picked up one of those soundboards and you hit a key and it was like, do, 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 ba, do, boop, ba, 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 ba. And it's like that. And it's like, all right, that's good. Let's do that for the, uh, the first opening scene. And you're like, okay. Um, you have generic bad bald guys, uh, like, you know, white bald guys with a goatee, uh, who, uh, hit out some real, real gems like, uh, not so tough now, pal. And, uh, I could kill you, but that would take all the fun away. And you're like, Ooh, baby. Uh, you have the big overarching bad guy, uh, who has like really boring ass, uh, motivation, uh, and like really ham fisted lines. Like we destroyed our environment. Uh, this is the only logical thing for us to do in evolution. And it's like, all right. It's like, what you, you just kind of like shoehorn this message in here for the the fun of it. That's like a thing in the predator I heard. Yeah. There's this like talk of, uh, global warming and like the predators are collecting, uh, DNA and looking for the next step in evolution and to bring it into mall 22. Uh, apparently that involves autism and weaponizing. Oh, fun. Yeah. Well, uh, you're so the this, authority so this, on so these, that. So these, these movies are all kind of in the same uh, spectrum, if you will. Oh, is it a spectrum, Jarrett? Yeah. I thought it was a circle. 
but it's a spectrum. Continue. Uh, well, you can watch The Predator. I've had my fill. Um, you have stuff that is like really cheesy in movies that I always hate. And I know I hammer on this a lot, but I feel like other people would also feel like this is really dumb. You have like these sensible scientist people who are testing on animals all the time and they kill them. But then you throw in like one hobo and it kills this like this meaningless hobo man who contributes nothing to society. And then all of the scientists like grow this conscience and they're like, oh, man, what we're doing is so wrong. It's like, no, what you've been doing has always been wrong. Fuckers. So there's stuff like that. And it's just everything you would imagine is in there that that's dumb. Uh, there's these like lame quasi connections to the spider-man world where it's like oh it's astronaut jameson and then like they live in san francisco and it's like yeah eddie remember when you got chased out of new york from working at the daily globe and it's like well, why do it at all you either call it like the daily bugle or just don't bring it up at all i guess that's probably like more sticky contractual stuff but it's like you don't need it in there anyway so don't even bother doing it but there's a lot of like weak Spider-Man stuff like that. Uh, Michelle Williams' hair is really dumb. It's very obvious she's wearing like a wig or something. Uh, there's exploding drones. Uh, I saw a lot of people were mentioning that this movie was, like felt like it was from 2003, 2004. I think you even said that once. And I think it's because it's like lazy plotting. But also I think it's just drones. So this movie has a 10... 12 minute motorcycle chase uh and he's being chased by exploding drones and they're not like they're not like military drones they're just like little rc ones and for some reason when they fly into something it like it's this huge fucking explosion so a little drone will fly into a car and it'll be like, and like an entire block will be leveled of course why i don't know uh but there's a fun scene where the the bald bad guys like release the drones and like 30 drones come out and like chase them on a bike that's pretty lame uh the only thing i'll say is like i think tom hardy's pretty good apparently he he told some some interviewer that his motivation was jim carrey for this movie uh from the mask and liar liar and it's like yeah i guess i can see that uh he's fine and there are some scenes with him that you're okay with um he is a man in my own heart. Uh, I have never related to something more than his uh, two beer technique. So two times in this movie, he goes to the fridge and he'll take out two beers. And uh, I really related to that because it's not something you see that often. But it's something I do when I go sit down on the couch, you grab two, Jarrett. So you don't have to get up again so soon. And uh, I really like that. And he even drank PBR which I thought was an added bonus. Those are the only two good things about this movie. Uh, the one last thing I have to comment on is Woody Harrelson's hair. Holy fuck. Is it unbelievable? Uh, have you looked this up yet? No, I tried looking for it just now. I, I, I'm not seeing it. You can't find it? No. Okay, I'm going to try to find it for you. So in the after credit scene, there's this really lame fucking scene where Eddie Brock goes to a prison by request uh, from uh, spoiler guys uh, from Cletus Cassidy you guys know him he's carnage uh, so he shows up at this prison because Eddie Brock's an interviewer and uh, Cletus Cassidy Woody Harrelson is in a uh, prison cell and he turns around and he's like hi Eddie he's like let's just uh, ignore all that serial killer stuff okay pal and Tom Hardy's like yeah sure whatever I don't care 
And uh, is he trying to be like uh, Brad Dourif in Exorcist Three? Yeah, so he's he's channeling something. I don't know what it is, but he's like okay. And then Eddie's like, so why am I here? Because uh, he has that. He's like, why you why you gotta do these things? Huh? Why am I here? New York. Yeah. Oh, Venom. Oh. Um, and Woody Harrelson's like, I just want you to know that when I get out of here, there's gonna be carnage. And then it just ends, and it's like, oh, that's pretty weak. Uh, but the thing about this scene, Jared, is that Woody Harrelson, uh, Cletus Cassidy, it has uh, red hair in the comics, you know, because Carnage is red. But for some reason, they gave Woody Harrelson like an afro. It's 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 so bizarre. It stands out like six inches from his head, and it goes up three quarters, and then there's like a little split in it, and then there's the other afro. It's almost like a Sam Jackson in Unbreakable, the way his afro is kind of like like quartered off, it's it's fucking unbelievable. I don't know whose idea that was, like who thought that was a good idea and why they just went with it, but it is fucking horrendous. Let me tell you. Outstanding. So Venom, uh, it lives up to the shit hype. Um, it's extremely lazy. Uh, and it's not something people should pay to go see, even to get in on this like hate bashing stuff, because it, there's not that much to like. There's not that much to talk about. It's just a shitty movie. So, hopefully, uh, Sony sells all those Spider-Man rights one day uh, to someone else, or you know maybe just make better movies. It shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> no. No, you you don't want to make better movies. What about uh, Jared Leto's Morbius? You think that'll be good? <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be RJ. Uh, they're all gonna be great. You're, you, Even Anton Fuqua's Craven the Hunter movie. Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting, if true. So, yeah. anyways, that is the official creeps take on Venom. It sucks. So don't waste your time, my dudes. Huh? You want to hear about Hollywood chainsaw hookers? Yeah. <laughs> this is a movie that's actually pretty good. You know why? <laughs> Because it doesn't try to be anything other than what it is. This is a Fred Olin Ray movie, our close personal friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he made a movie called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. I think I talked about this before where um, I think it was Nightmare Sisters or something about when they were making not Fred Olin Ray, but like when they were making Nightmare Sisters, it was because they made it on the side when they were actually filming Slimeball Ball. Bolorama yeah. and it was because Fred Olin Ray made this Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers like in three days uh, on the weekend while he was or making a different movie he just had like all the cast together and they just kind of made this on the side just to you know fire out a quick one uh, so Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers uh, takes place in LA and for some reason uh, all these hookers in town are killing uh, their Johns uh, and they're cutting them up with chainsaws. You get a good introduction scene with uh, our girl, Michelle Bauer. She uh, gets some John back to uh, her apartment. And you kind of feel bad for him because he doesn't even, like, want a hooker. She, like, kind of talks him into it. And he's like, nah, I don't. He's like, I'm not into that. And she's like, just come on, baby. And he's like, all right, all right. And then uh, she just, like, lights him up with a chainsaw. And you're like, oh, shit. Uh so you see her do that. You see other girls do that. Uh, Leanna Quigley is in this as well. You get a lot of these nudie girls, Jarrett, uh, with chainsaws, uh, and then they get blasted with um, a bucket of blood right on their head or, like, on their chest. Um, it's a little suggestive, 
if you know what I mean. And so they're going around killing something. And then there is a private detective who is like hired to find one of these girls. And he is kind of in the background trying to find these people. Uh, This movie is like, it's kind of weirdly satire humor, which I, I know sounds dumb because it's a movie called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. But like, so the private eye will be walking around and he'll say lines that it's just like, what? Like he walks into a strip club and he's like, it was amazing. He's like, you could have knocked me over with a pubic hair. It's like, that's how thin I was that day. And it's like, what is going on? Like, there's lots of lines like that. You're just like, where did that come from? So there's like weird humor lines in here. Um, I don't know. It's pretty much what you expect. There's some nudie scenes. There's some chainsaw scenes. Uh, At the end, you find out that it is a voodoo occult type deal. And there's a big fat guy, a real Jarrett character, a sad bastard maybe, who is hypnotizing hookers to kill with chainsaws as it is like some kind of tribal ritual thing uh, from like Egypt and he's trying to mimic it. Uh, You get a chainsaw dance uh, from a nudie girl and that's about it. Hmm. There's not a whole lot to it. It's not the best, Jer, but uh, it is <coughs> it is a pretty cool uh, title and something to watch, I guess. Yeah, uh, I remember this from Blockbuster. I think it would have been maybe Video Blockbuster. Cinema. Yeah, one of the one of the one of the video stores had this, and I was being like, "Whoa, this movie yeah. is probably like a little too pervy, and maybe even mm-hmm. like a little too messed up for my tastes." And uh, yeah, I just kind of fell by the wayside because nothing called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers could ever be actually good. So when when yeah. you're uh, in the early days of one's creepdom, when you're working your way through horror movies and you still haven't watched like The Exorcist, something like this just isn't uh, in the cards. But uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad you had a good time with it. Um, I like the idea of this Fred Olin Ray, um, even though he seems to be making making these types of movies that I think are a bit of a chore. I think they're even like sub Charles Band type of affairs. Yeah. Um, Some of them are actually pretty good though. There's there's a couple that I've watched that uh, I enjoyed, but uh you got to sift through that shit. He has a lot of those and he kind of dipped into like high fantasy porno. Uh kind of like how Jim Wynorski turned just turned into straight porno. This Fred Olin Ray, he's got a lot of like uh H.G. Wells uh, pornos or uh, what's it like Journey to the Center of the Earth like that stuff it's like Journey to the Center of the Earth but it's like two like boobed girls on the cover so boobed. is he all I th- boobed uh, boobed babies I think he is also maybe even the guy who uh, did he t- was he the one who turned into like all those those like dude pornos well, that's David Decato that's David Decato yeah so he he did all those 1313 ones but uh Fred Olin Ray has Ghost in a Teeny Bikini, Teenage Cave Girl, Harlots of the Caribbean, um, other sexy things, Bikini Jones, and the Temple of Eros. Okay. The Girl from Bikini. All right. Uh, lots of stuff, Jarrett. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Sounds like it. So, Anyways, here, I'll uh, hit you with a few other ones. Uh, I watched The Video Dead from 1987. This was a Jarrett fix from last year. Uh, This movie is pretty cool. It's like a little zombie flick where uh, a family... Okay, so 
there's a guy in a house and he gets a TV delivered to him and he's like, I don't want this, whatever. He kind of just leaves the TV in his house. It turns on at nighttime and there is a zombie movie playing, uh, something kind of like Night of the Living Dead is just playing on the movie. But the, the zombies in the movie become like sentient of the outside world outside of the TV and they start coming out of the TV. There's some pretty cool scenes uh, when they first like acknowledge that the TV is there looking through the camera uh, and then the and then when they come out of the TV there's lots of like poltergeist lightning and strobe lights and the zombies come out and then they're in the real world which is pretty neat uh, it's a cool idea um, so zombies come out of the TV and they kill this guy and then the TV is kind of like just left dormant family moves in a couple months later and then the TV's there and then the zombies appear again so that's what the video dead is about I think you talked about it on cool school last year um this movie's got uh pretty cool gore actually it's got like some some decent uh effects and some cool practical things that they do with the zombies uh and i I really like the idea um i think some of this movie is a little bland uh it's low low rent stuff there's a few scenes where there's like these two guys just kind of like walking around the woods and they're talking to each other and you're really just like oh come on hurry it up yeah, like, yeah, there's like a, there's a good half hour of forest walking. Just forest walking and like I get why Let's they kill did that. a zombie. Let's kill this yeah. zombie. And yeah. Yeah, and they they go and you you get why they do that, but uh their money was put into the effects and the effects are actually pretty pretty cool. So there's there's good stuff in this movie, but there's also some boring stuff. Uh so last week I also talked about movies where people don't know how to move their bodies. Uh, this is the one I was talking about. They have like no semblance of like themselves in space. They have like no uh, proprioception or whatever that's called, where it's like you, how your body like moves. Uh, they don't know how to walk. It's so fucking weird. Are you saying so, they lack poise? They yeah, they lack a little poise. Uh, people will be walking, but it's like real short steps because it's like you know that they're like okay, there's ten feet. And at the 10 feet, you have to do it. But here's like a minute of dialogue that you have to get before you get to those 10 feet. So they're like walking real stiff to get there. So, okay. This this kind of ties into a thing that I've been noticing uh, watching movies lately. Um, so while house hunting, um, I was like really becoming aware of like space and houses and like realizing like, oh, this is like realistically how much space, like a square footage costs a lot of money in a house when you're building. So when you're looking at like older houses, sometimes they're like way bigger than anything you see that's built for a new house. Cause new houses are built to maximize on uh, materials. Mm-hmm. So when you watch like movies, particularly movies with sets and stuff like that, you mm-hmm. like, you just look at these like massive cavernous rooms and you're like, no one like these are supposed to be like impoverished people or something like that or people who are like yeah. oh they're not doing great but you're like their house is immense but this is because you have to be able to shoot films in these things so they're they're always mm-hmm. looking for rooms that are really big because you have to f- fit like you know 20 film crews behind the camera to shoot stuff yeah. um and so i was just like was really aware of that especially watching rebecca a couple weeks ago cuz you're watching this like big mm-hmm. ca- castle and you're like looking at these massive rooms and you're like man how much would that cost now like that much space because you look at a house for like your average person and it's like pretty small compared to this mm-hmm. but uh so with the video dead which uh my memory of that is that it was shot in a house like it is definitely shot 
on location in a, someone's house. In that somebody's they, house. That, that, yeah. that they had rented or something like that. So I think mm-hmm. that kind of explains why people move awkwardly because mm-hmm. they're, it's not that they don't know how to move, but it's because the actors have to like make sure they don't walk across the room as fast as possible. And that, I, this is the only to explain maybe yeah. exterior stuff. I'm not sure about like, or sorry, interior stuff, not stuff that's like shot outdoors, but like definitely when you're shooting in like across like a living room, that's like not that big. And you have like, mm-hmm. you know, 12 people are like, and action. And like, they're all lighting and doing sound and stuff like that you can't like you have to like everything's uh tightly blocked off for the Mm -hmm. performers so i think that might be why there's some goofiness maybe well yeah that's that's kind of like what i mean there's there's a stuff inside where it's obviously like i said you you can see that they had like a range it's like this is where you can walk but you got to get your lines done before Mm -hmm. so they're like kind of slow moving but then there's also the scenes outside where they're doing it and it's because it's like it's like, okay, in 15 feet, here is the zombie, and you got to act surprised when you get to it. So they, like, move weird because it's like, ooh, do-do-do, do-do-do, and then they look up, and the zombie's there, and they're like, oh, no. So there's stuff like that, too. Anyways, you watch it. You tell me that these people aren't moving, like, weird fucking stiff ape things that are just like, Rrr. They're weird, man. Yeah. They're weird. Okay. Uh, should I hit you with one more? Well, I'll, I'll mention. So I, I watched Video Dead back in May of this year. Yes. So it was it was out of school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, no, I I think the thing I remember most about it is just like how gross and filthy some of the shots in this were. Or it's like this is like a real house. Like mm-hmm. there's like gross stuff floating in like the sink and the toilets and like there's like a dirty old crusty sock and you can just tell that they've just like vacuumed the carpet and you can see like I don't know it, it had this like low res quality to the whole production but what I liked mm-hmm. about it is it has like that awkward dorky kind of eighties vibe that uh, yeah sometimes the movies that we talk about the the Nightmare Sisters and stuff like that they they, yeah. ha- they have those too and so this movie like I think for me I felt kind of more successfully captured it though i do i think i even mentioned like the the forest walking around stuff is like real doll um Mm -hmm. i love the footage though of the uh like fake night of the living dead movie that stuff's like really cool um and i think the ending of this movie is actually really uh actually pretty tense like the stuff like getting them like having to make them dinner and stuff like that and being nice to the zombies and all trying to Mm -hmm. lure them back down to this down the stairs so they can like trap them and get rid of them that stuff's Mm -hmm. all done like really like Intensely, um, so I, I think there's a, uh, enough here to recommend that somebody check it out. It's yep. not like a, it's not going to, as someone once said, blow your dick off. But uh, that's true. So yeah, I don't know if I said that ever. I've never said that. But uh, no, yeah, like video dead. It's cool. It's like I said, it's got cool effects and they got some neat ideas in there. Uh, there's just there's a few balls in it. That's all. It's good though. It's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. So, do you want me to tell you about one more, or have you heard enough of me tonight? I think I've heard I did enough. go on about Venom for a while. I think I've heard enough from you. All right. Well, why don't you take it away? Well, Hot yeah. Well, we'll we'll continue. I think more of these conversations uh, maybe on the weekend. <gasps> what do you mean the weekend? We don't record uh, on. I, I know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so I, I've got a few of my uh, creep picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll run through. I think uh, the first two I'll talk about are Netflixers. These nice. are at least in the Canadian Netflix. So first up, I like always like to throw these in a documentary uh, mm-hmm. about spookiness. Uh, this one's called Haunter: The Art of the Scare, and I mm. think this just came out like in the last year. 
Um, and uh, so what this number is about uh, is it's about haunted houses and the people who build these haunted houses around uh, mm-hmm. America. And uh, there's a brief little bit of a history of like the where haunted houses came from. But this particular documentary deals in uh, a particular strain of haunted houses, which are like extreme haunts, which are where, uh, you know, googly eyed goblins and uh, werewolves mm-hmm. and like just animatronic stuff off to the side it isn't enough for some people. They want something a little bit more interactive with like a, like with hands on experiences. It's kind of like when... Um, uh, Frank and Hellraiser. He, he wants to go a little further. Th- th- this, this, oh, this, his this, pleasures are. Uh, yeah. it, it's like a Fifty Shades of Grey thing, right? Where his yeah. his pleasures are unconventional. Well, yeah, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So these, this appeals to people who like want like a harder edge, and they hear about this from secondhand accounts. Like, oh man, you got to test this out. This will fuck you up. Um, and so this kind of touches on a couple of these. Well, one particular. Uh, haunted house things that these these mm-hmm. these men do they're all men who put these on and uh they they, they have a vibe to them um mm-hmm. there's this one guy let's just call him rob he looks like a rob he's got spiky hair chad there's yeah there's there's a chad too i'm sure uh mm-hmm. so this guy he wears sunglasses almost all the time when he's doing his interviews indoors or outdoors wearing his black sweater and stuff like that kind of that edgelord uh, the, the classic mode, Edge um, Lord. Yeah. So my he, goodness. Every, every year, uh, for one night, he does this big haunted house assembly uh, up front of his parents' house because uh, his house isn't big enough to do it. And uh, he puts all this effort in, starting in August for months and months to do this thing for four hours on Halloween night. He's mm-hmm. married this woman who apparently has zero interest in this. Uh, thing he does and she just kind of like laughs it off dismissively and saying oh when we, we have kids we'll stop doing this and he's just there not shaking his head nope i'm going to do this forever and i wonder why are these people together <laughs> what, what what do they have in common why, why do lazy people, why, why do why do these people get together and when they have like they're like it's such opposites of like one another's interests and life goals it's it's strange mm-hmm. to me um so anyway you get introduced to this guy and what he does and you know, they they are proud of, like, you know, causing people to piss themselves, shit themselves, collapse into piles from being too terrified. Um, you don't really see too much of, like, what his really entails. It doesn't seem like anything too out of the ordinary. Uh, maybe a bit more effective than the uh, one uh, haunted house ride I went on a few years ago where a friend of mine, Corey, and I, we, we went around mm-hmm. and we laughed and laughed and laughed at just, like, how cornball it was. Uh, so mission accomplished on that front. Have uh, I got to interject for a second? Yeah. Have I ever told you? Have I ever spoken on air about the Rob Zombie haunted house that I attended? You, I don't see. I think we see a little bit of that one in this. Like, okay. Because there's like, I don't know you. I don't think you have though. But uh, let me just finish. Okay, well, my you little keep, anic- keep going. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I was like trying to remember that. I'm like, oh yeah, you did go to one of these. Because uh, mm-hmm. there's actually footage of like the woman in the bathtub. Yeah. 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 So there's footage of that in this. Okay. okay. So you know what I'm talking about. But the one that like gets the most uh, attention is like, oh, was it <clears throat> McNamara or something? McNulty, something like that. The one that like everyone talks about that like goes too far. It's run by this like ex military guy who's just mm. like, I don't know, him and his wife kind of give out that 
Ian Brady, Myra Hindley kind of vibe. That, but they've like found like instead of like actually murdering children in the moors, they are mm. like, oh, let's put on haunted house shows and like videotape it and really fuck with people. And then like when we can no longer hire neighborhood kids to like screw with people, we're going to hire ex-military guys mm. okay. <laughs> who are going to like pick you up in the back of a van and blindfold you and like toss mm-hmm. you around and put fucking cockroaches in your mouth and uh oh, what cockroaches and other oh bugs my god and uh waterboard you so you, you get mm. this like great footage of people who are like going to do this like in halloween costumes so there's like these two dudes dressed as uh mario and luigi and they're like yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun here and then like oh one of them th- at one point there's like fear that one of them might have just had a heart attack because uh, it's too extreme. Like, you know, oh, we're going to... Uh, oh, one of, not one of the haunters. I thought, like, the Mario Luigi? Yeah, they're, or... they're, they're, they're like participants. Like, they're guys who are like, going along for the ride. Oh, okay. Yeah. I they're... thought they were part of the show, and then one of them had a heart attack. No, 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 no. I'm not laughing at real yeah. people having yeah. heart attacks. Well, they are okay. real people. They're, this is, like, legit. Well, he doesn't oh, actually. He, he just he went into he... shock. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and of course, like the entry into this is like four cans of dog food, and you're like, "What the fuck? Do you make them eat it?" It's like, "Oh no, he's like really passionate about like greyhound rescues and stuff like that." The, the guy who runs it, he it's it's peculiar, and you know they talk about how much money he has spent doing this over the years. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like he's he's he, paying like millions of dollars out of pocket to do this stuff for fun, Jesus. for fun, and uh, he videotapes it all, and he like kind of like there's like this footage of him like watching the footage back and doing the editing that he puts on it's mm. uh it's something uh there's like and then you get some interviews with like um some actors who do this stuff and like they just kind of like talk about why they do it and part of it is just like they love like they love the idea of like really f- scaring people um and like the dangers <laughs> of scaring people even people who have like consented that they know that they're oh this is like for fun right but then it's like oh no some people have really bad reactions to being scared and sometimes get really violent and beat the shit out of you in a costume and uh it's like almost like it's almost like the wrestler talking to this like woman who's like a professional haunter or whatever and uh yeah her like getting like messed up by three drunk guys who she's scared too much. It gets like, weird. what do you mean messed up? Like beat up, beat the shit out of her because oh. yeah, like they just like started wailing away, I guess. Cause they were like, I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. Um, I, I, we don't live anywhere near any of this sort of stuff. So this is all yeah. just like an abstract thing. Um, I'm pretty sure I like, there's like the universal, like horror night stuff they do and there's like not scary farm and stuff like that when they do these events down in like LA and these ones are just like totally just gags and fun show stuff um but there's like there's other groups there's like the one called blackout which is like Mm -hmm. just like hey are you uh are you fond of the idea of like simulated kidnapping and being like a simulated you being tortured and like Ugh. It's just like who does this? Uh, it's just bizarre to me. Uh, not not my uh, cup of tea. But uh, I found the documentary interesting. Uh, I've seen some people like pretty harsh on this, like being fairly negative, and I don't know why. Like I think it's a fairly well put together documentary. Uh, maybe it goes on too long to focusing on like the one guy Russ, who's like the the seems like be the most like sadistic of all of them. Uh, but. I don't know. I, I, I find it interesting. It's like kind of does what documentaries are supposed to do. Uh, it didn't drive me nuts like a lot of uh, these Netflix documentaries usually do. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. But RJ, uh, you can uh, tell the, uh, the listening audience about your experience with one of these haunts. Yeah, I went to one of these haunts, one of these extreme haunts. 
when I was in Chicago a couple of years ago for SFN, there was a uh, it was in October it was during Creeptober and there was a Rob Zombie certified uh, haunted house. But it had a name um, though too, right? It was like noxious or something like that. It was something like that. Yeah, I I do have a shirt. I have a Rob Zombie shirt, which is pretty cool. It's got like a skeleton on it at a drive-in. Uh, at this point in time, when I went to this, I had not seen any Rob Zombie movies. Uh, well, not any, um, but I think people know my, my sensibilities. Uh, they don't align a lot with Mr. Robert Zombies. Uh, I've since seen some of those Halloween movies, and they are about as what I expected. But going to the haunt thing, there were some interesting dynamics at play there. Uh, because having not seen the movies, I was like, hmm, let me... Uh, I think I was talking to you once. I was like, let me guess what's in a Rob Zombie movie. Uh, domestic violence, uh, extreme obesity, dirty, unclean people doing dirty, unclean things, like a f- huge fat woman in a bathtub full of like pork beans or something like that. Uh, it's been a while, so my m- memory is a little foggy. Uh, there was like... So there were parts of the haunted house where it was like a giant crocodile thing. And I was like, I don't know what movie that's supposed to be from. Uh, but there was like a giant crocodile. There was other things where like people just come up right beside you and they'd be like, yeah, 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 huh, huh. and you'd be like, okay, man. Um, and then there was like, they would like squeal at you. And then there were, there was like midgets next to like extremely <laughs> obese people. And it's like, isn't that crazy? <laughs> Look how different they are. And it's like, all right. Uh, and then there was one part, there was like a room you went into and it was literally just a guy beating up a woman. Like that's all it was. And I was like, what is this? I was like, this isn't like scary. I just feel bad for these people. <laughs> like, like not just like the actors doing this. It's like, yeah, I, or not like for people that that actually happens to do. It's like, yeah, that's pretty bad. But like even just these actors, it's like, what a shitty life you live that you like pretend to beat up this woman all night long for like 30 days. It's got to suck, man. Uh, so Robert zombies thing. I don't know if there was any details you remembered from it, but, uh, it was, it was a, it was a trip. All right. Uh, it was like an hour too getting through that thing. I do. Re- so what I remember is, uh, I think you were talking about, yeah, like, so you go up the stairs, and then, like, there's, like, a group of you, and, like, somebody goes mm-hmm. into the bathroom, and then, like, someone closes it. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? No, that wasn't in this. That, not in the one I went okay. to. Okay, well, least. maybe uh, just... Maybe fat, it's evolved. Fat, fat, fat women in bathtubs is just an in thing. There was... That, that was definitely a thing in Arzo. There was definitely, like, a huge fat woman, like, in a tub. But I think it was, like... It was like dirty water, obviously, but there was like other stuff in there too, like pork beans or something. Hmm. But uh, there was a lot of obese people um, and a lot of like unfortunate people, like people who were like amputees, <laughs> but it was like used and highlighted very obviously. It's like, look, I have no arm. And it's like, oh, okay. It's, it's like, I guess it's okay because you're the one doing it, but it's like, were you hired because of that or what's going on here? So, yeah, I would I would describe that whole experience as unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Robert Zombie. Yep. So yeah, haunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other uh, Netflix catch up was uh, Creep Two. Oh yeah, have you seen Creep One? Yes. <laughs> 
Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, you don't yeah. talk to well, me. I, I, I didn't. I watched it some time ago. Um, but uh, oh, so I was trying to find uh, this guy, uh, Letterbox user PD187. Uh, couple last month ago, he uh, wrote a review for Thirty One, the most recent. Rob Zombie film Rob, yeah. that I have not watched, which is about like murder clowns in a uh, warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, his review is like another Robert Zombert where everybody says shit like, welcome to murder school, toots. Class? Well, it's X fucking extremely in session. Fuck a doodle do. <laughs> and fuck, I, nice. it, that is like, I, all I think of when I read that is Bill Mosley. <laughs> uh, just that's, mm. that is exactly what, fucking all his movies sound like and it's always like Rob Zombie would be a really good director he just needs a different screenwriter because he's not very good mm-hmm. at writing um, anyways uh, so Creep 2 so it's the follow up to that Creep it's got one of your favorite people in the world he's a big fan of uh, Mel Gibson mm-hmm. who? Oh, Mark Duplass. Yeah, fuck that guy, man. Like, how, <laughs> why is he so high and mighty? He's like, I will never watch a Mel Gibson movie again. It's like, all right, dude. Like, the stuff you're making isn't. I guess he doesn't like Mel Gibson because he yelled at all the Jewish people. But yeah, but still, you know, there's worse guys out there. <laughs> Matthew Broderick killed that family. <laughs> is Mark Duplass like? He's like, I'm never gonna watch Ferris Bueller again. I doubt it. Well, I doubt it, Jarrett. Maybe uh, it hasn't just been brought up lately. So, Creep Whatever. 2. So, are, are you familiar with Creep? Did you ever? Mm, no, I never watched it. I have it in my Netflix queue. Isn't it like he uh, invites some uh, some lady? Or it's like a Kijiji meetup type deal. Yeah. And she comes out, but then he kills her or something. Well, that's more like two. So, the first one is a guy. It's mm-hmm. And it's uh, old Mark Duplass. He plays this fella. Uh, he may or may not be a serial killer and it's just like, it's a, it's found footage, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's like a ongoing kind of like all handheld footage sort of thing going on. And, um, I don't know. The first one I remember, like, there's like stuff about it. I, I, I think back fondly of, but I think when I look back, I'm like, oh, I didn't really love that movie a lot. Not as much as some people did. Um, Mm -hmm. I think went a little heavy duty on the, uh, jump scares, and oh, okay. uh, so I was always kind of like, yeah, it's okay. There's like some good stuff. Peach Fuzz, uh, the Mark Duplass uh, Halloween mask that he's wearing mm. is pretty rad. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's like a well done kind of like low key mumble core horror. There's not a lot mm. of those mumble horrors. Uh, yeah, I know. What you mean. So Creep 2 came out, I guess, last year, late last year, whenever it did. Um, and I was kind of holding off to watch it decided hey you know what i feel like this is the right time so kicked it up today uh, the other night and uh yeah i i think it was actually better than the first one and i think it's because they they go down a a slightly different route it's like it's almost like the exact same movie but with a different victim but the Mm -hmm. victim plays well off of him and uh it just it has a different vibe to it and it's like the exact same movie but it just feels different Uh, but you'd have to kind of watch them back to back and of course it's nice because they definitely do set up a third film uh and i'm actually mm-hmm. very curious to watch that one just to see in... yeah yeah what that that no that's a real movie isn't it the third one no, not yet they they, they, it... they wrote it last month oh <laughs> like, okay they, they're gonna have to probably shoot it in a weekend and then put it out but because these, oh. these, these movies are very simple to make that's kind of the the magic of them hmm. so you're saying you like it I liked it. 
yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's one of those movies you just check out and watch. Uh, watch the first one if you like it. Watch the second one. Uh, if you don't like the first one, if you, I mean, if, it depends. If you if you enjoy it, like you're okay on it, maybe watch two. But if you just don't like it, mm-hmm. you, you know it's not for you. Hmm. Um, without getting into it too much, because there's not much. It's, it's more about the surprise of watching it. Because I guess they're they are fairly unpredictable movies for the most part. They don't play out exactly the way you would assume. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of the things that plays against your expectations of what's going to happen, and that's kind of the uh, effect of it, which is probably why it's successful. So anyway, I watched this movie, and then I followed it up with this much celebrated film that uh, it seems like there's been a real turnaround by some, and I think that has a lot mm-hmm. to do with GIF culture and oh, people no. people really being online, and particularly since this this Mandy movie has been taking the world by storm. Apparently, it's oh, like no. it's the greatest film ever made now, um, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not. But uh, I was curious about it because, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage, he's been out there. His uh, agent has him going out and, like, trying to put out this, like, mm. new persona, rewrite the book on Nicolas Cage, who's kind of been lingering and straight to video hell. And I uh, guess because he's got to make those uh, pays, payments back to uh, the IRS for all that mm. taxes he wasn't paying enough on. And, mm. uh mm-hmm. But so in these interviews he's doing with GQ and like these Q A's that like it's like we're going to do a Nicolas Cage film festival, but then Nicolas Cage shows up. Isn't that crazy? And then he's he's, he's he's doing commentaries on his old movies, and apparently this the the shum, whatever nouveau shaman, the uh, <laughs> California Klaus Kinski, he oh, says God. his best performance that he's most proud of R.J. is Vampire's Kiss. Is that is that real? Yeah, it's a real movie. Um, and uh, I watched it. I finally watched it. I always kind of like confused it with, uh, the film once bitten starring, uh, Jim Carrey, uh, because they're both these like mid eighties, uh, comedy horrors starring guys who'd become bigger stars like 10 years later. What about vampire in Brooklyn? Uh, well that's outside the window. That, that was that was unfortunately in the early '90s as opposed to the mid '80s. Big big difference. Oh, but okay. uh, watching it, I definitely realized I'm like shit. I'm gonna have to watch Vampire in Brooklyn one of these days. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's gonna be real bad, I think. But mm. uh, so was Vampire's Kiss. I hated this. I hated it so much. It sucks. Why? It sucks so bad. Okay. Part of it is, is this is just not for me. Uh, comedy's tough. And mm-hmm. horror comedy is even tougher. And, like, I just, I don't get it. There's, like, so many glowing reviews for this thing. People talking mm-hmm. about, like, this is, like, it's so amazing. But I feel like it's, like, that same, like, kind of thing about, like, Tommy Wiseau. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, but we know that Nicolas Cage can act. Like, he has abilities. But uh, in is this, that proven? Though, Yeah, adaptation. Uh, oh, no, are, wait, did you say Nicolas Cage? Yes. Oh yeah, no, I like yeah. Nicolas Cage. I think he's really good. Sometimes, yeah, but sometimes he's sometimes he's not like in Vampire's Kiss, where he's oh. adopted this British accent that mm. comes and goes, and his character's just cruel. He has a sex. So Vampire's Kiss for those who don't know what this movie is about, because I didn't know either. It's pretty much American Psycho. Um, mm-hmm. Like in fact, there's like some things where it's like this came out before uh, Brett Eaton Ellis 
wrote the book. And mm-hmm. it, it's like p- quite possible since Brett Eaton Ellis is quite a movie fan uh, that he might have watched this and like went, hmm, I could do better than this. And he just, he just maybe ran, ran, oh, went went I running see. with it. It made him wrote a much crazier, much better horror book than this is as, as a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas Cage is like, works for a book publisher. He's like some sort of... Um, senior administrator making deals and stuff like that but he's also a drunk and a womanizer who just likes to get out go get out there get laid and paid and uh treat people treat people badly um and he runs afoul of a vampire lady who sucks his Mm -hmm. blood maybe um and uh yeah i don't know he starts becoming convinced that he's a vampire over the course of like an hour and a half and then it's like, but it's like kind of like, or is he, or is it all in his head? And it doesn't really play like well enough for that to make sense. Like where it's like you care or you're even like, mm-hmm. well, who cares? Like that was my entire experience watching this. I'm like, well, who cares if he does or doesn't? It's not, none of this feels right. Like it, it doesn't, it's not consistent enough. The tone shifts are just random. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, Mary Heron American Psycho movie with uh, old Christian Bale. I think that movie's uh, pretty awesome. Um, and I see some people go, "Why would you even need that? We got vampires, guys." And it's just like, well, that movie's really bad. It's not funny. It's like it, the editing sucks. The story sucks. Um, it's just yeah. And the biggest, the biggest crime of all for comedy is not to be funny. Uh, Nicholas Cage, not not good. The, like probably maybe the last. 10 minutes of this are like okay because it's just like he's just like fucked up and like stumbling around and having a hallucination where he's talking to a psychiatrist in the middle of like New York City and people are just looking at this guy he's all beat up and bloody and that's fine um and like okay so the other thing too is when you have a movie like Martin that exists which is also about like a uh a, a crazy person who thinks he's a vampire um and you know that how great that movie is and then you have people trying to tell you how vampires kiss is great and you're just like no (laughs) no it's not but hey i could be totally wrong it seems like uh me sticking to my guns here and saying uh this movie's a piece of shit uh Mm -hmm. would put me in camp wrong but i don't know maybe you're gonna have to watch this and mandy together and uh really stick it to me i look forward to all the Jarrett hate mail that will be pouring in uh, after you've bad mouth vampires kiss so yeah. yeah i'll watch these movies one day <laughs> maybe not right now but uh eventually you could, you could watch this one with andy mm, questionable yeah so very uh, questionable okay i got two more for you okay i watched or- hellraiser judgment <gasps> oh god i uh as you recall was it two years ago uh it was outside of uh, October, but I made a point of mm-hmm. going through the Hellraiser franchise. And um, I left off caught up at that point. And this year, a 11th film, 10th film came out. Ugh. And I, I, I've been holding off on watching it because I've just heard how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And I just knew it was going to stink. It's kind of like uh, how there's like that new Saw movie jigsaw that came out last year that i still haven't watched and i just realized it and like now i'm like well i guess i have to finish that one too so i'm caught up even though that last movie was so bad um anyway that that that's neither here nor there hellraiser judgment terrible um it's amazing to me that the movie seven came out 23 years ago (laughs) and 
movies are still lifting from it and like mm. well, but like they haven't learned they haven't like watched the movie to, like to go hmm what makes this movie so good <laughs> like is it, oh it's just like because it's gold it's like all the shots are black and gold and it like has this texture to it and it's fucked up and we have killers that reference the or like seven deadly sins that that's key uh. that's why that's why you make a good movie mm-hmm. so that's what and that's essentially what all the hellraiser movies have been since like the first four movies is yeah. uh they're all um i think i discussed it before they were all screenplays that were like dusted off by dimension and they were like, we'll mm-hmm. just add Hellraiser to it. Like that's, that was it. They just like, here's some like generic serial killer seven crap. And it's like, well, you know what this needs? It needs Cenobites. And that's all they did. Um, this feels exactly like that, even though apparently, uh, the, the director of this was like a special effects guy on a few of the previous films. And mm-hmm. I guess this was his big idea. All these films he was working on, he was like probably like, man, I could do such a better job than this, <laughs> and he doesn't. Um, maybe because like I'm a distance from watching those, this might even be one of the worst ones. It's 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 possible. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's just like so played out because this is like six seven years after the last movie came out, and it's like, how hard is it to make one of these movies? Like, go back watch that first movie. That movie's so good. Like mm-hmm. Hellraiser one, amazing. Hellraiser two, pretty good. Amazing visuals. Go down that route if you have to. And then three, mm-hmm. four, it's all just diminishing returns. And then like the last five, six movies have all just been the same thing. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is no different. Um, a lot of it just like uh, the filmmaker screaming at you, isn't this fucked up? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, is that what an edgelord is? Yeah, this is also made by uh, that guy Rob. Um, mm. just being, being a big old edgelord, wearing his sunglasses, showing you his fucking tattoos, the babies <laughs> being torn apart with meat hooks with like a Wolverine demon bitch Ugh. woman with giant God. tits. Yeah. And <laughs> did, what, he wants to disrupt us normies. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh. I, I really get off on making other people uncomfortable. <laughs> Fedoras and trench coats and swords on their wood paneled walls man all the all the classics hey is that are you just describing your house right now that wall behind you that sword that fedora <laughs> that little like stuff would you be would, would you be my co-host if i were that guy uh i am already oh okay so what you do is way worse yeah so uh oh hellraiser judgment it sounds like a fun movie. Real fun. Uh, last movie of the night I'll talk about. Mm-hmm. I watched Doom, starring The Rock. Which one? Doom. No, which Rock? Dwayne Johnson. Oh, you have to specify. Oh. Uh, it's also mm-hmm. got uh, Judge Dredd in it. Old uh, Hank McCoy. Or Hank McCoy. Carl Doc- Urban? Carl Urban. Yeah, this is a Doom from what, 2004? The video Fuck, game 2005, movie? 2005, I, I think. Damn. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's a video game movie. Is it a fun video game movie? No. It's just like another uh, Aliens movie where like every sci-fi movie, it, you have guys walking around with guns, walking down corridors, blue lighting. 
something's killing members on the mission. There's a lady. Yeah, there's like mm-hmm. they have goals that they're supposed to accomplish that you're supposed to care about. Um, and of course, it's like, hey, with the Doom concept, you got like demons from hell. That's kind of neat. Uh, this could be like an, uh, an Event Horizon type deal at the very least. No, we're just going to have genetically modified guys that like we bound with alien DNA because that's what we do with video game movies. We just change things so much that it's like, well, wh- why, why do you even have it? Just so you can have the uh, the the opening title be Doom. Doom. Yeah. And then you have like the the BFG and... Uh, Mm. Yep, that's that's about it. I think you get, oh, you get a pinky. A pinky shows up because there's a guy in it named Pinky. Um, what I, do you I, mean a, a pinky? That's the name of one of the demons in Doom. I don't even know Doom. I never played it as a kid. Uh, that was like I never really had a computer till too late. I was more of a Duke Nukem 3D guy. Yeah, uh, played a little bit of that Wolfenstein, but uh, Doom, my uh, friend Mike did have that, and I remember playing a little bit. But I never really got good enough at that point in time uh, with those uh, first-person shooters. I have a hard time thinking you were good at any video games. But uh, while you bring up first-person shooters, how was that first-person pers- first shooter uh, sequence? Sequence, yeah. Uh, laughable. Uh, not as bad as the one in, uh, oh, God. Oh, God, the Ui Bull one. Uh, House, uh, of, House of the, House of the Dead. Dead or something. Yeah, where that one is like literally just footage from the video game that they put in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's better than that. But Some uh, people say that the so Doom first-person sequence is Hitchcockian. Some. Hitchcock-like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. You know, see, what's sad about that scene is that it's like not even like one big continuous shot. Like that was like a big deal at that time to try to pull that off. But mm-hmm. no, it's just hard edits and like guys standing in front of like when the camera moves and the thing just goes and make gestures at you. It doesn't like it just doesn't even like move in a frame. It's just is already there, and then you just shoot it and it falls over. It's very accurate to the video game in the worst possible way. Do you record video when you record these episodes? Uh, by default. Uh, I think you should upload this video of you doing the. Uh, the guy waving his arms waiting to be shot yeah um that would make a high quality gif yeah yeah i like that i like that so you're saying doom was pretty good i'm saying doom is not good at all uh doom is bad um it's as bad as its reputation and uh no one should watch it it's just because there's just better sci-fi horror movies you could watch instead Mm. name one aliens (laughs) No, name a real one. Galaxy of Terror. Name the Predator. Well, that's like the, jungle action. No, the the new the oh, Predator. Oh, see, it's very confusing now. Mm. Do you think Venom falls into sci-fi horror? No, that's you're you're hey, you're you're just lying to yourself to make it so you didn't miss a day. Hey, you know what? I never I thought was weird too is like there's all this talk about Venom eating people, and it's like I was a Spider-Man kid. I know they didn't put that in the cartoon, but it's like I never remember Venom eating people ever. It's like when did that become like a staple to his character? He, he talks about it in uh, the comics. Which comics? The, where he appeared. Call Todd McFarlane. Get him on the line. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Well, I, 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 I think he had some strong views about this, how Venom's like. He did? For, for, yeah, it's like it's for pansies. It doesn't, uh, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not going to be violent like his Spawn movie is going to be. Hey, man, his Spawn movie with Cuba Gooding Jr. is going to fucking blow your mind. 
pal. <laughs> yep. Cool. Well, I'm glad you like Dune. That's a certified creep hit. Oh uh, yeah, I love Dune. But I'm not sure about Doom. <laughs> oh, are we talking about Doom? I thought we were talking about the Dune remake from Denny Villeneuve featuring The Rock. Yeah. See, was the Harko- Who's who played the Harkonnens in it? Uh, I don't know. Jamiroquai. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for creeps now. Nice. But hey, uh, you got any news before we uh, wrap this up and go into our movie? I saw something pretty tantalizing, tantalizing, uh, scrumptious. So remember how friend of the new friend of the show Frank was talking about what we feel about that Suspiria movie? Yeah. So I'm just gonna read this this headline for you, Um, and just a little context. Apparently, Tilda Sweeten. Uh, she's in it, but apparently she also plays an old man, like the old professor in this new Suspiria movie. And like, P- apparently it was a big deal because at festivals, everyone was like, is that Tilda Swinton? And the director is like, no, that's fake news. It's not her. But I guess it is. So I'm just going to read this headline to you I saw today. How Suspiria transformed Tilda Swinton into an 82-year-old man. Quote, she did have us make a penis and balls. She had the nice, weighty set of genitalia so that she could feel it dangling between her legs, and she managed to get it out on set on a couple of occasions. End quote. Hmm. A nice, weighty set of genitalia. (laughs) I wish someone would uh, describe our (laughs) podcast as that one day. Like, that could be on the box, (laughs) the VHS box. A nice, weighty set of genitalia. (laughs) Or like I like the idea that like uh, if you whip it out in, on set, it's it's funny. But if like it was like a real uh, pair of genitalia, uh, mm-hmm. you'd you'd be uh, well, you you'd lose your Netflix show. Jared, what are you what are you describing here? <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm glad that some people haven't lost their sense of humor, but I will say that it's uh, it's a gray area. It makes me. Yeah. It makes me think. It makes me ask does, questions. I agree. Uh, does this make you more or less excited to see Suspiria and this uh, weighty set of genitalia? Do you, do you remember like the Jared Leto tales from Suicide Squad? Oh, I remember. Yeah, used I, condoms getting yeah. sent. Do you think from Morbius he's gonna just send like Blood. more used condoms to people <laughs> to get into character? Yeah, because didn't Morbius have AIDS or something, and it was like. Like he was always taking plasma, and so this uh, one it'll be like used. Well, yeah, they, once again, plot plasma. That's the <laughs> uh, that's the uh, Spider-Man animated series uh, shortcut because that show also oh. never had guns. Yeah, they had lasers. Yep, always lasers. That was lasers, a cool show. Lasers are safe. Um, speaking of Suicide Squad, uh, my news <gasps> is the that 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 hot news that James Gunn. Uh, mm-hmm. is apparently writing a Suicide Squad 2 movie and he might even be directing it. Uh, they poached him. Well, they fucking I mean, got he's, him. He's, they fired him. I mean, that's, I mean, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I did laugh that a uh, big Dave Batista was saying, uh, sign me up because, uh, he's been, uh-huh. he, he's friends with James Gunn and he doesn't like how this has all gone down, but you he's know what? Pretty vocal. That, that, that might just mean that, you know, Drax is dead. And that that's that's it. And he's he's not he's done after this, mm-hmm. and he can move on. And he doesn't have to like make a stance or anything. He can just be like, "Yep, moving on. I don't give a shit." Because he's very famous for not giving a shit. No, he doesn't. Uh, but yeah, he was very vocal about uh, how it wasn't right what happened uh, 
to uh, his friend. I will say so, um, I'm not like really a fan of that first Guardians of the Galaxy. I've never seen the second one, but uh, I feel that James Gunn actually would probably be a good match if uh, allowed to do a Suicide Squad the way he wants to. And I mean, he'll be bringing that Michael Rooker with him wherever he goes. So that's, that's pretty cool. What's your fan casting for Michael Rooker in the uh, Suicide Squad well, universe? Well, they've already got their cast, right? I mean, you just kind of go with that and then just, you just have to make a better Well, movie. for a new character, who would you put Michael Rooker in there for? Mike Henry? Ooh. Portrait of a Serial Killer? Yeah, just re up Suicide him. Squad versus Henry? Damn, son. Swamp Thing. Yeah, there you go. Alex and, uh, yep. yep. Yeah, he could be, uh, what is, um, yeah, what is, uh, the gray Anton Arcane? That could be Michael Roker. That'd be pretty neat. Michael Roker. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, shut up. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, that's, that's interesting, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this, uh, DC movie ship can be turned around from, uh, it's sinking currently and dying. I think, I think it's what you said. If they let him do whatever he feels like, yeah. it'll probably be fine. But, but uh, I mean, they, cause I mean, they let Zack Snyder do that and look where it got him. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how Aquaman does go from there. All right. Well, I think that's it then. Sure. News. Uh, after the break, uh, I'm going to make RJ do something he doesn't want to do. I already do that every week uh, on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Sexual things. For his I, country. Uh, uh, my, my statement stands. Ingrid Bergman, Ingrid Bergman, let's go make a picture on the island of Stromboli. Ingrid Bergman, Ingrid Bergman, you're so pretty You'd make any mountain quiver You'd make fire fly from the crater Ingrid Bergman This old mountain, it's been waiting all its life For you to work it For your hand to touch its hard rock Ingrid Bergman Bergman, if you walk across my camera, I will flash the world your story. I will pay you more than money, Ingrid Bergman. Not by pennies, dimes, nor quarters, but with happy sons and daughters, and they'll sing around Stromboli. Bergman This old mountain It's been waiting All its life For you to work it For your hand To touch its hard rock Ingrid Bergman Ingrid Bergman
I'm sorry to intrude on this tender scene. I, uh, I knew her before you did, loved her before you did. I wasn't as lucky as you. I'll take care of her myself. No, not of that way. I stood looking at her when she was asleep. I could have... Quiet, Alex. You were almost as impetuous as before your wedding. You barred me from that episode. Let me arrange this one. Lisa, what's wrong with you? This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. Tonight, we are wrapping up our trilogy of Alfred Hitchcock Ooh. movies, starting with Rebecca, continuing on in Spellbound, and concluding here with Notorious from 1946, directed by Big Al himself. Tagline for the film, Notorious Woman of Affairs, Adventurous Man of the World. And the synopsis of the film from Letterboxd, in order to help bring Nazis to justice, U.S. government agent T.R. Devlin recruits Alicia Huberman, the American daughter of a convicted German war criminal, as a spy. As they begin to fall for one another, Alicia is instructed to win the effect- affections of Alexander Sebastian, a Nazi hiding out in Brazil. When Sebastian becomes serious about his relationship with Alicia, the stakes get higher and Devlin must watch her slip further undercover. Hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. So, is is that what the movie was about? <laughs> I guess so. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is a movie that has bounced around with me for a long time. Uh, it's the. I'm pretty sure that it's the first non-universal Hitchcock movie I ever watched. Because hmm. um, I was trying to think back to it, it would have been like I would watch, you know, The Birds and Psycho, uh, North by Northwest, Did- maybe. What is the universal? It kind of gets cloudy, mm. but this is definitely like the earliest one that I watched for a really long time. Uh, back when in my early cinephile days, uh, looking at that, you know, Roger were great movies list, seeing, oh, Alfred Hitchcock, great movies, gotta watch that one. So I would have, I, I had the old VHS and a clamshell of this, and uh, now I have it on Blu ray, and uh, this is probably the third time I've seen it. Um, and this is a movie that, like, I've always like liked Cary Grant, I guess, uh, as like a as, as a Hollywood actor. Yeah, yeah. We, you. We'll, 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 we'll let you we'll let you have your say. We'll have your you can have your say mm-hmm. later, RJ. We we all know how much you love Cary Grant. He's just mm. like I don't know. He has like that weird star quality that like guys like him, Gregory Peck, Jimmy Stewart, all these dudes who worked with uh, Hitchcock. They have this like kind of like 
weirdness to them that like I don't think any actor gets away with it now or like this sort of like uniqueness has been just beaten out of them and they're all just like the same dude the same leading man every single time out mm-hmm. and it's just depressing because there's like there's like you can't describe any like modern actor that much other than oh here's a photo of them and I go okay what sure. about Vin Diesel well look where look where he wound up yeah now he's the last witch hunter um and hmm. furious fastly and in, in beefing with the rock. So anyway, hmm. uh, yeah. So I was like, kind of like a Cary Grant fan. And then like in Ingrid Bergman, I don't know. She's never left like that much of a mark on me as far as like a performer. Um, mm-hmm. like she's always just like this lady who kind of speaks with this, like bit of a European accent, uh, who photographs really well, but she seems like a lot of, actors from that time a lot of female actors that just are kind of like yep she's fine um maybe maybe. uh so anyways though so this movie uh this new viewing of it uh i really like this movie uh quite (gasps) quite a bit uh i think it is the best of the hitchcock movies in the collection so far um really yeah i i do i do Cause what are we at? This is five. Um, I this movie, like, just from a storytelling perspective, like the the storyboarding, the uh, clarity of the narrative, the characters and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's super stripped down. Uh, the movement and stuff like that. Like this movie's got so many like low key iconic scenes in it, and uh, watching it, kind of knowing exactly where it's going to go and stuff like that. It was a little foggy. I'm like, what's the detail about this? I'm like, what's with the champagne bottles again? Because I know it's mm-hmm. like it's your old MacGuffin, um, and sure enough, it is. Uh, talking about uranium, which is kind of weird in <laughs> 1946 when this would have been written in like 1945 before bombs were dropped and people really knew about all that atomic business. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, it's kind of a neat little tidbit there. Um, so some, some of the elements of this movie that I really like, uh, the, the synopsis mentioned in Letterboxd is pretty accurate. Uh, this opens up with uh, a guy off in the distance getting sent off to jail. You never see your father. He's just like way uh, kind of in the mid frame and he gets a bit of a speech from behind and he's just sent packing for being a, a goddamn traitor to the country and he's going to jail for it. And then, uh, we get introduced to his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, old Ingrid here is Alicia Huberman. And, uh, her stat, her status in this is like questionable because she's the daughter of a traitor and her life's going to be a lot harder. Um, and of course the, the title of the film notorious, I guess is in reference to, uh, her character and the fact that she seems to be kind of a, easy lady who likes to drink a lot and drive drunk and Fast uh, women. Be, be a little promiscuous perhaps, but they can't mm-hmm. like they, they, but because of the limitations of like the, uh, the production code and stuff like that in Hollywood at the time, they can't, nec- they can't go outright say that or show it. So mm-hmm. all that sexy stuff happens off screen, but so does, uh, which I found really interesting watching this time is the violence. No violence ever happens on screen. Save uh Cary Grant, doing a little bit of karate chop into some wrists and to uh, uh, Ingrid uh, kind of like from, from behind in a car. Um, but uh, that's just all good fun, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, she gets recruited through some uh, st- some recording, I guess, even though it's like 
it doesn't really make you a bad person. It just shows that uh, you're you're a better person than you want people to know, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she gets kind of bullied into this uh, kind of vague plan of like helping the country, of like helping find uh, her dad's old buddies that are doing shitty things, crafty things down in Brazil. Uh, and yeah, they're off and running. But there's sort of this like strange chemistry going on between these two. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we get these kind of long kissing sequences, which are like, so so there's this like really like, it's like really kind of like a kind of an awesome scene because it's just like, like, it's like, it's very sensual. This like kind of like on again, on again, off again, kissing scene, which like, so there's a big thing written about how it's like, it was like thought of as like the longest kissing sequence in like film history. Mm-hmm. Um, because what it is, is be, uh, there was like a rule again with this production code that like a kiss couldn't last longer than three seconds on screen. So what is, mm-hmm. what is, what does uh, Hitchcock do? He has his like things where like, well, they're not kissing exactly. And when they kiss, it's for like half a second and then they stop and they just continue like nuzzling and like burrowing each other's like chin and forehead into each other's faces as they're like, kind of like, husking out their lines and this like kind of breathing and stuff like that it's like a really like it's really peculiar for like i'd say for 1946 for like this mainstream uh hollywood movie with these actors um but it's uh i don't know it's something anyway uh anyway mm-hmm. just like on a so yeah the movie gets going we got introduced to old claude rains old invisible man uh he's he's not uh being in charge of uh the police over in casablanca uh, Ingrid Bergman, I guess, got out of there, all right. Humphrey Bogart still back there, um, and uh, yeah, we get her kind of shifted off to this dude, this creepy old guy who's like really into her still, um, but he seems like a sweet enough guy for uh, for uh, uh, hell yeah, yeah. Claude Rains is so sweet in this. Yeah, he's 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 a very nice guy, and uh, he's he's getting the the wool pulled over his eyes in this big mm-hmm. elaborate ploy. And, uh, I mean, for the most part, it's like, does he really do anything too horrible other than like, he's kind of found himself in the wrong company and like, if he steps out of line, he's, he's pretty well fucked. Um, Mm -hmm. so this, this kind of all builds into a situation where they have to kind of like play this espionage game. It doesn't feel like a spy movie though at all. It's like Mm -hmm. this like really stripped down kind of like character drama. And then you kind of start having this thing where like, Neither wants to admit this is between Alicia and uh, old Devlin that like they have these feelings for one another. And like, so they keep like playing the card like, well, no, I really don't like you. Oh, yeah. Well, he asked me to marry him. Well, that's fine. I don't mind. You just go ahead and do that. Fine. I will. That that's, that whole situation plays mm-hmm. out. And uh, yeah. And then you get these great scenes uh, with her like still having to attempt to like do what she's been sent down there to do, which is find out what's going on. Um these like great uses of just like camera work and framing keys are involved, uh, foregrounds, people finding out what's going on, people getting poisoned, big reveals of that. Um, stairs, great use of stairs, people going down, people going up. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you talk about this movie, but, uh, I, I want to hear more about how stairs work. Well, uh, you know, when you go up the stairs and it doesn't matter, Mm-hmm. It, it's not very suspenseful, but when you go back down the stairs, it seems like the stairs take even longer to get down. Just almost like mm-hmm. it's there just to build tension. It's almost like some might say Hitchcock is a master of suspense. Mm. 
Interesting, if true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just like watching this movie back through. Just like, yeah, the, the use of like the, the foreground stuff and like little references like, oh, hey, here's her drinking with this like glass of like whatever uh, antacid orange juice. And it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, that's how you make yourself feel better. And then later on, it's like, oh, the big thing in the foreground is filled with poison. And um, these things just trade on one another. People like in silhouettes standing in door frames. And like it's like always like a menacing image, but it's kind of uh, – uh, Nebulous. It's not. Uh, it's ambiguous. Uh, you don't really know what it is. Topsy turvy camera work of someone being drunk, which is kind of fancy again for 1946. Pretty played mm-hmm. out now, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think this is uh, quite a uh, well-made, great little movie that uh, Hitchcock mm. made. I'm curious what you thought. How come? Why are you curious about what I think? Why does anyone care what I think about these movies? Um, so this is an end to our Hitchcock themed month. Uh, I just got to say up front, uh, I'm pretty happy we didn't do this in one gigantic oh, episode. Yeah. Um, because it is the fashion for us. We've done the, the double headers. We've done the three, three peats. Um, but I, it, it definitely, when we do that, I think it makes for a good episode, but there's always a movie that suffers because of it because there's always going to be one movie at the bottom of the barrel it's like we don't need to talk about that and like that would have been spellbound i think if we had did this as a big three it would have been like eh here here's why we don't love spellbound here it is and then i also think notorious would have got a little bit of the short shaft on that just because i think we would have really laid it out on rebecca anyways that's, I was just saying, I think it's uh, good. You mentioned once, uh, let these movies breathe. So I'm glad we did it this way. I think my favorite of the three is Rebecca. Uh, but I do think Notorious is pretty good. Um, I liked it quite a bit. There were some things I didn't really understand. And then the more that I've thought about them. And to be very honest with you, Jer, and I don't give you credit very often, hearing you describe some of these things a little bit more, I was like, yeah. That was a good part of that movie. So uh, when I had first watched this a couple days ago, I was like, yeah, I like Notorious. It's good. It's definitely better than Spellbound. Uh, And I was like, I don't know if I like it as much as Rebecca. Uh, I'm currently kind of in between the two uh, on on the two of them. Uh, I think they're both very good for different reasons. Notorious, I think, is uh, what you would describe as that fine artisan film craft <laughs> at work here. Uh, there's a lot of Ro- things like ro- roasted uh, almonds and uh, hand pressed uh, grains. Yeah, finely salted fish, bean, something bean like that. Bean flour. Yeah, all sorts of just mm. delicate bakery work. F- fermentation. Yeah, oh, film craft, artisan film craft. Uh, no, there's there's some pretty pretty cool, unique. Uh, techniques in this movie I think um, and I think the the one thing that's impressive or just admirable I guess is it's not overly showy a lot of it is very subtle and I think that's where you could get lost in this movie where um, not not lost I mean you could not if you're not paying attention to it I think you could miss a lot of these things because they are subtle and they build on these uh small moments um so there's a lot of like the obvious ones like what you said there's the way he films stuff there's a few like uh really cool scenes where it's it's like the 
it's like shot way wide out and then it zooms into something. It's like, oh yeah, that's neat. Good job, Hitch. <laughs> and then there is like the the way he like shifts focus on things to like show you like it's very specific where you're focusing and then it goes to something else. You're like, oh yeah, shit. That's pretty good too, Hitch. You're doing a good job in this movie. So there, there's cool stuff like that that I think is done really well. Um, I think this movie uh, is particularly good at um, building on certain themes, especially like Hitch themes. So there are certain things that I think are standards in a lot of his movies. Uh, the biggest one for this one, I think, is like ideas of trust and the relationships between people and like what they're doing. Uh, so the trust is obvious in this one, but then there's also this thing of like love and duty where it's like what they get this lady to do before political reasons. And then her inner inner conflicts with her relationship with the other guy. It's this like love trust thing. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's really neat. That's I'm, I'm glad that they're kind of exploring these, these issues and these topics. That's cool. Uh, there's other things that are also classic hitch things. Uh, that mother complex uh, that's mm-hmm. in here. It's not necessarily like an Oedipus thing, but it's like, oh man, there's some uh, serious shit going on with uh, old Al and his mom. Uh, Andy watched this with me, and uh, the minute the old mother appeared, uh, Andrew was just like, he's like, Hitch really had a thing for moms, eh? And I was like, yeah, Hitch did have a thing for moms. Um, so there there's like that it's like that's a pretty heavy standard at this point um there's a few other things that i think are interesting like not like hitch staples but uh <clears throat> like that munchausen syndrome thing where it's claude rains like basically poisoning her <laughs> to like keep her at bay i was like oh fuck well, i was like that's pretty dark i don't think it's to keep her at bay though it's like they're they're going to kill her, but they have to like yeah. They can't, but they have to like make it look like she's just getting sick, and they're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. But because yeah. if they find out that uh, she's a spy, they're all dead. Yeah, no, and uh, like I, I understood that too, but I, I just think I liked how it was kind of like in steps. Like, okay, we're gonna be smart about this. That scene where she like figures it out, I think is pretty well done. Oh, it's so good. When you like. You see, she, like, she's look surveying the room, and she's like, oh, shit. Well, yeah, buddy, so, um, buddy goes to take the drink, and they're like, oh, don't do that. And then she's like, what? Oh. Yeah, but I, I do got to <laughs> say, so this movie does a really good job at, like, building the other romance between uh, old Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. And you're like, yeah, they seem, like, real nice because they're making out all the fucking time. This movie is so much making out. Uh, there's that, the like, long sequence, and I was just like, god damn. They're, like, 14-year-old kids just making out all the time. Even when, like, he, he like, goes to meet her at the end and she tells him she's poisoned. She's like, I've been poisoned. And then they like start making out again. I was like, what? it's like, what's going on here? Get her out. Get her out of there. Why are you making out right now? This isn't the right time, Carrie. So they're like making out. He's <clears> even, <throat> but initially, he doesn't even believe her. No, he doesn't. He's like, give me a kiss, baby. Well, no, because he, he looks over and he sees the like the, the booze or like, whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, see, and you see, that's another thing that's like really well done is like her drunkenness. Uh, there is a line where it's like, uh, I don't remember where it is, but she's talking about like important drinking. She's like, the important drinking hasn't started yet or something. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I relate to that, baby. Uh, but it's it's good. It's like her coping mechanism, right? Like she's masking the things that are going on with her life and her emotions through drinking. And I was like, there are few things I relate to as much as a heavy boozing 
to uh, forget your pains. So uh, I like that. And it, it does show their relationship well. But um, the reason I brought that up, I was like, yeah, it, they're, they're like believable enough because they're making out all the time. But it does. I think it makes the Claude Rains character that much sadder because I actually do feel like he was in the right for a lot of this. Like all the other stuff aside where it's like, oh, is he like selling things to against the government or whatever? He, he was just like, hey, you're a real nice lady. You want to like hang out? And she's like, yeah, I love you. And he's like, you do? He's like, that's amazing. He's like, let's get married. But then like as soon as they get married, he just sees her like making out with this dude all the time. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I really want to like love you, but don't make out with that guy anymore. Yeah. And you're just like, God damn. Oh, but, but then maybe if she if he comes by and sees how in love I am with you, it'll make him insanely jealous and he'll leave. <laughs> and then because <laughs> that that always works. I, yep. I, t- I totally believe when women tell me that. Uh, I actually heard that line one time dropped uh, in a situation with uh, like me and another person where it's like, oh, they're only dating. It was one of those things. It's like they're only dating this guy to make that guy jealous. And I was like, what? I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, that's not how people think. Like, there's in no in no way is this gonna work. Like, why is that a good plan? But so I did hear that in real life once, and uh, I was pretty pretty blown back by it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I just mean, I feel for Claude Rains, and uh, I think Claude Rains is awesome. Uh, that Invisible Man, like, he's so cool. I think, he, I haven't seen enough of his stuff, but uh, I feel like he doesn't get his, enough credit that he deserves. Um, Ingrid Bergman is good in this. Uh, you can understand her quite a bit. But <laughs> As opposed like to I, uh, last week. Spellbound, yeah. Well, it's like I said, Andrew had like a hard time understanding her, and I couldn't get subtitles on, so I was just like, sorry, babe. I don't know. I don't know what, it, what to tell you. Is, that, is she Swedish or Swiss? One of the two. She, she's one of those. And it's just like, yeah, she's uh, she's got a little twang in her uh, her talk there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get to Cary Grant, who the, I have mentioned. The one and only. The one and only Cary Grant. Uh, infamous is his performance in Charade, where he speaks like he is... I don't want to say like a hard R, Jarrett, but he is definitely on some end of some spectrum in that movie. Oh, boy. I don't know why he decided to do it, but he the way he talks is not natural. And it's like you're doing that intentionally. There's a reason you did that. I don't like that you do that. So I don't know why he does it in charade. I will say he's better in this. I could actually understand him, and I wasn't distracted uh, by his speech in every scene so he he's better in notorious um but I, I i still i don't like this Cary grant guy no 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 wrong song he he's not he's not one of my guys give me the jimmy stewart's give me those gregory pecks give me anyone but great Cary grant so Aww. that's my hot take uh, but claude rains is cool and uh, i do like ingrid bergman she's real hip in this she's like uh, she has real plain talk. She's like a modern woman. And I was what, like, yeah. What, what about that midriff? Oh, fuck. That bandana <laughs> on the midriff. So she comes out on the deck. And she's got like a crop top on and jeans. But like her little tummy is showing. And Cary Grant's like, I don't want you to catch a cold. And he wraps a bandana around her midriff. Yeah. And it's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, that's not going to keep her warm, you fucking weirdo. See, he's a weird dude. I don't, I don't know what it is, but he also, like, she's, like, wicked drunk, and he's, like, why don't you, or she's, like, I'm going to drive, and he's, like, all right, 
go drive then and he's just like watching her and you're like oh shit he's playing coy what does he know but at the same time it's like man this lady is hammered shattered and he's just like why don't you go drive doll for a little while and it's like on bluffs by like the the ocean god damn so there's that uh yeah there's some good attention to like setups for things like champagne bottles are focused on a lot and the whole time watching i was like i wonder when this is gonna play out and then it does and you're like okay cool um there's some interesting dynamics between people in this uh the relationships of men and women and equal rights uh where carrie grant quote says a man doesn't tell a woman what to do uh, end quote. But then at the same time, he's like, but do what I'm ta- telling you to do. And you're like, hmm, interesting. Uh, there is, I, I I wrote down chicken talk for some reason. I don't know why. Apparently there's chicken talk in this movie. You figure it out. Um, this movie also, there's there's a few weird things in this. Like there's there's a scene where it's really weird. It cuts. She So like Ingrid Bergman is like with Claude Rains or something. And then it cuts to Cary Grant and he's in a diner or something like that and i swear it's like two seconds long and then it cuts back and that's it and then like later it cuts to him and he's in a different situation i don't know why it happens it's around 35 minutes Hmm. it just cuts to him for a second and he's in a diner and then it cuts away and i thought it was the weirdest thing i was like i don't think that's supposed to be there like what does this mean like it's about him like contemplating he's like oh god what is she doing (laughs) is she being fast and loose with that guy too sucking his cock yeah like it's like so like i get what it means but it's so weird that it's it's like really fast it's like it just cuts and then it cuts away and you're like oh that's weird i don't know why you did that hitch um yeah making out long ass kisses trust love drunks sexual blackmail Mm. it's got it all man yeah i don't know i i like notorious i think they hit some uh pretty heavy themes uh but i don't know i i might like rebecca more i'm I'm on, I'm I'm on the fence a little bit. I've always yeah, I mean uh in rewatching these movies, except other, other than Spellbound which was a new movie, um like Rebecca got better for me. Mm-hmm. Um and Notorious like just like thinking about it, I'm like there's so much good visual stuff just like on a technical level I think this movie's uh better and it feels mm-hmm. like a Alfred Hitchcock movie where Rebecca even like reading the uh interview with uh Truffaut, it's like it's, it felt like this is a movie he did is like a work for hire type deal. And it's like the themes aren't really there. He just was kind of working through his stuff where this is like he has hands on. Um, part of the deal was like this was the movie he was working with uh, with uh, with Selznick. And then mm-hmm. the, the deal fell through and they wound up selling like uh, the whole project to uh, with like, it was like RKO produced it and stuff like that. So it went off to Fox. But like Selznick got to keep half the money of the proceeds. And uh, but then oh. like but, but he had way more freedom to make, make the movie he wanted. And I guess, mm-hmm. like, and it's funny because, like, I mentioned, too, um, how I feel like this movie, like, really, like, if this, the it felt like a graphic novel, like a comic book. Like, the storytelling and, uh, like, the framing of everything mm-hmm. is so clear. Like, you could watch this movie with no sound and follow the whole thing. Like, the it's so, it's so visual, uh, especially everything, once you get to the house. And, like, how much of this movie takes place in that house? Like, all, like almost the entire movie's interior. A, a lot of it's just interiors. Like, I mean, even the scenes where they're, like, driving around uh, with uh, dr- drunk Ingrid, like, that's all just rear projection. Um, mm-hmm. So he's got all this control over the whole thing, except for, like, the horse track. I think that was, like, for something, like, shot in Los Angeles. But uh, everything is otherwise is in that house and uh, parties at the house, 
coming in and out of it. Um, and so he's like, you have that amazing shot, that like overhead shot from like kind of like the second floor balcony down and it's all zooming, mm-hmm. it's all floating down to her hand where the key is. That whole like sequence, and I've seen this in like film studies books where like they lay out the whole process of her getting the key off of the loop and kind of like this, this the subtle building of that suspense of picking up the loop of it and uh, put, putting it on uh, and then like the whole process of like kicking it under. Uh, all that, it's so good, like all these little things. And then, like, kicking it under the dresser, picking it back up, handing it off to uh, Cary Grant. It's, like, mm. the attention to detail and that's so great. And just, like, the whole buildup with uh, when Claude Rains, like, figures it out. Because there's, like, the shot where he looks at the key and he sees there's only three on there. And then the next morning he sees there's four. So he knows, like, fuck. Like, he's got a problem. <laughs> and he has to go talk to his mom about it. You get this whole scene where, like, you get their perspective. And, like, mm-hmm. you, they, if this was, like, a, a Guillermo del Toro movie, they, they would they, they wouldn't show that. Like, they would just, like, they would play it, like, oh, do they or don't they know? It's like, well, of course they know. So the movie just, mm-hmm. like, completely deflates that. And it's just like, okay, this is his reaction. And he's, like, he's heard about this. But he's also scared now because he's like, god damn it. If, like, the other people who are, like, murderous Nazis find out, like, oh, we're dead. And so his mom's like, well, we have to kill the bitch. And it's like, yeah. Is that a direct quote? And I quote, gotta kill the bitch. Mm-hmm. So, nice. Yeah, and then you get that whole sequence of her getting sick, the the, the gradual downturn, the bags under the eyes, the weakness. It starts immediately, mm-hmm. um, the big reveal. And then you get, like, the whole playing out of uh, the, the rescue, and, which, like, I guess I've seen some people talk about how, like, uh, underwhelming they find that whole sequence like it doesn't work for them it doesn't like have a big like big shootout or something i don't I know guess, i guess i, I don't but know. I, I think it's great like because it's such a like unexpected ending because it's just like well cary grant uses his head like he he doesn't mm-hmm. like he talks his way out and says we're gonna take this out like right in the open we're not gonna like sneak through we're not gonna crawl out a window we're gonna walk straight down those stairs right through the front door and you're all gonna come out with a smile they get to the car they get in he's like well i'm coming with you so like, oh no you're not coming with us you're going back in there well, i can't I'm a, I'm a dead man he's like well that's your problem <laughs> ta-ta and then they leave and you assume well they're good now and uh uh, can we talk to you for a minute? And you just get the slow walk up the steps and it's like the iconic shot. And then like that, like I've, I've always remembered cause it's like, what an unexpected ending. Like it's, there's no wrap up. There's no like her back yeah. at the hospital and them having a funny little <laughs> moment of like, well, like, we really showed him, didn't we? A okay. America. Yeah. Do you think that they did show him for real? Uh, Do you think they got him. I, I guess so. But it's like, like kind of like sad for uh, old Claude and his mom. Oh. They're all, they're, they're dead. Fictionally dead. Yeah, yeah that is sad because he was a cool dude and uh, it sucks. Hey, RJ. What? Did you know that there is a Lifetime made for TV 1992 remake of Notorious? Really? And did you watch said remake of Notorious? I watched about 15 minutes of it. Just to get a, a feel for this thing, because mm-hmm. uh, I I know how this goes. I know I'm. This is my first rodeo. <laughs> uh, it's it's October though, so I didn't really make a point of uh, setting aside like you know an hour and a half to watch uh, something I know is not going to be very good. But mm-hmm. I did uh, watch the first fifteen minutes just to get a feeling of like because this is like it's based on the same screenplay and boy oh boy, so many references, so many callbacks. <sighs> this movie, man. And. It opens up. It's black. It's, they're shooting it black and white. 
It's the, it's the courtroom scene. It's all these close-ups. We get the uh, Jenny Robertson. Uh, she's playing the Ingrid Bergman character, and she's like sitting in the courtroom listening to the court throwing the book at her dad. So you get you just see the dad. He's a communist though, because oh, it's, shit. it's 1992, and uh, we're we're still like apparently in the hot throes of like Soviet Russia. Um, the Red Menace. The Red Menace. I mean, it's dying down. The walls come down and stuff like that. Reagan mm-hmm. Reagan beat him, but uh, apparently there's still lingering traitors that were. Uh, flushing out uh and so we get the found guilty and then as soon as they leave the courtroom it changes from black and white to color and there's like the big mob of like journalists all saying uh alicia alicia what 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 do you have to say about uh your father being a traitor to your country and of course uh, the other thing i forgot to mention in the courtroom scenes there's all these close-ups and rapid cuts to like the american flag and symbols of Mm -hmm. justice and the american way because you gotta otherwise the nuance might be lost and her, her line reading is like how do i feel how do you think i feel and we get guitar licks and then out, out from her comes notorious uh, <laughs> i could not I'm, I'm surprised they didn't after the guitar they didn't bust in with a notorious big I, like no no notorious yeah yeah uh so I, I i i couldn't i was just started laughing and like so they really laid down that she's a slut back at her house oh shit yeah so she's real slut. just making out with dudes uh, hmm. you know, gotta, gotta live up to that notorious, uh, name. And, uh, and of course they do the behind the head shot of, uh, our Cary Grant, uh, stand in, uh, mm-hmm. because that, remember how they don't show the, the front of his face when they reveal him. Um, hmm. so they do that. And so of course, who is it? It's John Shea, AKA Lex Luthor from the Lois and Clark new adventures of Superman series, who then also Whoa. played Lex Luthor's father in Smallville. That's about all I know. That's my experience of John Shea. And here he's doing a Cary Grant impersonation. If you can imagine such a thing. Uh, I I can't even watch Cary Grant do a Cary Grant. So I don't know what it would be like to see someone else do that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got like kind of like weird, dark, all, like just pits, black pits of eyes, at least on the YouTube version I was watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, it's the same shtick, you know, he's there to recruit her. We get the drunk driving scene, but instead of like starting at like 65 miles per hour, we're going like 80 and then she's like, starts speeding to a hundred. The cop pulls her over. He shows his badge and then, um, mm-hmm. but we don't get that classic man on woman violence, uh, with Cary Grant smacking her around a little <laughs> bit. She gets like, kind of like, get out of my car. And then she like, I'm going to get out. Then she gets out and she falls down and collapses. So that's their out of getting around that little, uh, that little tidbit. And then Mm -hmm. she wakes up and we get this like horrible, like mishmash of like the, like out of focus, Cary Grant standing in the door frame at an angle. Uh, and then we get like that foreground shot with like the drink in front of her face. They collapse Mm -hmm. those into one shot with him, like holding the glass in silhouette closely to her. Um, so was it cool? No, <laughs> oh, it, it's not. And so she gets recruited. We, we get the tape played back, showing that she's a real patriot who like questioned her father. Um, but instead of going to Brazil, we're going to Paris because mm. they, they they could get a lot of B roll of Paris inserted in there. We get the scenes of them falling in love, and because she's like <laughs> always talking about how handsome this guy is, and, like she's just like man, she's she's wet for it, man. Is he handsome though? Uh, you can look up John, John Shea, S H E A. You tell, you tell us. Um, and we just get the scenes of them frolicking, laughing. Uh, there's a scene with a, ah, 
a, a Parisian clown uh, with them. Like he's like, oh, they're they're looking at a book, and he like steps away, and then the clown puts his arm around her, and then she doesn't realize it, and then he like comes around and says, hey, and she's like, what? And she turns around and sees the clown, he's like laughing, and they all have a good laugh. <laughs> and then uh, and then when they're walking away, she does the same thing to him with the clown, and then he starts walking away with the clown, doesn't realize it. <laughs> so. It's so funny. So, I so, so I don't funny. think John Shea is attractive at all. Well, you've heard your fear first, first, folks. Whoa! Not, what not, was that? Not, not a not a hunk. Uh, yeah, hunk of burning love, baby. No. So that's as far as I got into the uh, 1992 Notorious. Sounds like a good creep, though, for Creeptober. Not needles to say. Uh, it's he's it's no uh, it's no hitch. Uh, like the movie Hitch with Will Smith. We haven't made any of those jokes at all during this uh, month of Hitch movies, have we? Until now. Have you seen that movie? No. It's pretty good. But, RJ, enough <laughs> yes. enough of this Lifetime bullshit movie stuff. Who mm-hmm. hates Notorious? Mm, people, I'm sure. Uh, alleged humans. Mm-hmm. Hit, hit it. Okay. One sec here. I gotta make oh, it nice on. and nice and big font for my uh failing eyes. Jesus, you're old. Lit last. Mm. One star. <laughs> no. This was tedious and overall just filled with characters who would rather see or who I would rather see die in an infinite loop of the most horrible accidents because that would make this drab and grating narrative slightly interesting and maybe even watchable. Yes, it was nice to look at and the production might be okay, but its bloated narrative and seemingly aimless pace would make any homework much more interesting because at least you are in control of the pacing. The only notorious mm. thing about this was Alfred Hitchcock expecting anyone to watch and sit through it. I could <laughs> not recommend this movie to anyone. Please only watch this if you really have to see it. Um, pretentious, I suppose, this person. Their favorite movies are things I've never heard of, like Hippopotam- Hippo- Hippopotamy? H-I-P-O-P-O-T-A-M-Y. Hippopotamy? Window Water Baby Moving, Pussy from 2018, uh, and Once, that movie that uh, other <laughs> haters of uh, were real shitting on one time. Uh, they're also, since it's Creeptober, uh, they have a list, best horror films you probably haven't seen. Hmm. Hey, Jarrett, have you seen The Skin I Live In? Yep. Hey, Jarrett, have you seen Triangle? Yep. What about Pontypool? Oh, yeah. What you know, about the House of the Devil? You know, RJ, I own every single one of these movies. I know you do. So, are you saying that this list is possibly inaccurate, well, as, as you have maybe seen these movies? Know, I'm an I'm an I'm an outlier. I'm an unusual case. Triangle's popular, was it not? Eh, it's my. The Wailing is on here. That's like a Netflix movie. Yeah, that's 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 pretty popular. Yeah. Okay, J, one hmm. star. I got 47 minutes in and sincerely could not follow the story. Extremely boring. I feel like Jay could be a creep fan. They have a lot of Criterion movies. Favorite movies, Silence of the Lambs, Clockwork Orange, Gone Girl, Donnie Darko. What the hell? Uh, Apparently, uh, they also just added all four versions of A Star is Born to their watch list, which I find... 
troublesome. Hmm. Uh, they also have favorite five star movies include Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Tim Burton affair, uh, Gothica with Halle Berry, Oof. Triangle again. <laughs> what is going on with these triangles? Oh, man, let's let's go for three. Complete that right. triangle. Carnival. One and a half star. I really didn't like this movie. And how? <laughs> the best I can say is that it's more believable in the development of the plot compared to other Hitchcock films. But the romance, Blerg! No one would feel truly excited about this and brutally predictable. Is it brutally predictable, this movie? Brutally. Uh, okay. So this person, Jarrett, um, so they have a favorite film that the first person did, Oslo, August 31st. I don't know what that is. Uh, they just watched Possession, gave it four stars, and their four-star review is a single question mark. Five-star movies include Session 9, Ooh. Evil Dead 2, mm. Avengers Infinity War, mm. um... They're call me by your name. Ooh. Uh, what else we got in here? Mean Girls? Uh, that's fine, I guess. Um, Star Wars? Guardians 2. La La Land? Uh, whatever. Shut up, Leonardo. Nobody cares. Nerd. Cool. That's it. Wait, was, was that the right... Jay. I were Carnival. <laughs> Oh, shit, that was the wrong person. Oh, you're shitting on a guy? Come on. Yeah, it was some guy named Leonardo. That's why I said that. Uh, This uh, carnival likes Midnight in Paris, Children of Men. Hmm, I wonder how they feel about Triangle. They only have five five five-star movies, and Children of Men is one of them. So I'm on board with this person. Hmm. That's all it takes, huh? Uh, Oh, shit, Eternal Sunshine, three stars? Get out of here. Get out of here with that junk. Wow. Hmm. Well, whatever. There we go. Now we're on the right page. Yep. And it's the last page. Of your life. I don't know, man. I think it's a gooder. Yeah, it's pretty good. What's what's, what's your ranking? What's your uh, Hitchcock ranking out of the five we've watched? What are the other ones? 39 Steps and... Lady uh, Vanishes. uh, I would say maybe Rebecca Notorious... Uh, Lady Vanishes, 39 Steps Spellbound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd flip that top two, but uh, yeah, it's, I think that's that's Why legit. You just fucking leave it alone, all right? You ask my opinion, and I gave it to you. What else do you want? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think like the next time we're going to watch Hitchcock is if uh, whenever we get into those laser discs again, because that's where his like it's more mm-hmm. of his uh, his grandpa thirties movies are. Well, it'll it'll depend what we do with that laser disc uh, series if yeah. uh, people are still interested or not. Well, they are, or they're going to have to be. But yeah, we got we got to find time. We got to slot that stuff in. Got to make sure the stars align. We'll see. We'll see. Hmm. Well. We'll see. Huh? Notorious is ace, and we all agree. Yeah. After the break, um, I don't know what they're going to do with RJ's body once they get uh, they kill him and back in the mansion. But that's not my problem anymore, because America and love made it. 
What are you on about now? What are you willing to do for your country? Not much. Are you going to go and marry like one of your dad's friends? Uh, if they were like really wealthy, I would maybe consider it. Maybe have that like sweetness of a Claude Rains. Yeah, he's a pretty sweet dude. I would marry him without uh, without a lot of like enticement outside of just his nice smile. Yeah. He's got a nice uh, spread, you know. He's got that uh, wine cap, that wine cellar. What do you mean spread? His uh, his his build, his mansion. He's got that Brazilian uh, spread, man. I don't know what you're on about. I don't like it though. <laughs> you can email us at criterioncrease at gmail.com um, if you want to. Yeah, you could if you want to. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlove. You can keep up with all our horror movie watching. I think we're doing pretty good this year. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, it's a real turnaround for my sad display of movie watching the last few months. So uh, drinking in, folks. Very true. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. We've got that Patreon. We're on YouTube. All that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Next week... Spine 138. Kurosawa is back. Mm. And we are watching Rashomon. It's got, what? It's got, it's got a ghost in it. That's pretty spooky. It's Rashomon week next week? Yeah. It's kind of creeptobery. A little bit. Because the truth hurts, man. Yeah. And uh, hey, that's from that was directed there in 1950. Is that good? Uh, it's like the middle of the 20th century. It'll really tell us the what came before and what'll come after. A lot of uncertainty. Do you even know what you're talking about, man? Just, just saying things, talking. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Ugh. Good night.